0: good evening hushlings and welcome i present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void the whispers of conjecture and the known of the unknown thus begins the conclave of the hush hush society
1: what's up hushlings and welcome to the second installment of the hush hush society conspiracy hour i'm declassified dave and i'm
0: mystery mike and as always we're joined by our cohort slick frank sanders
2: frank sanders here how's it going hushlings?
0: Last episode, we gave you information on the Philadelphia Experiment and the Montauk Project, otherwise known as MK Ultra. Light. This episode, we are fully getting into MK Ultra. Before we dive in, we just want to let you know: at the end of this season, we will be having a live show. So, if you want to send us questions, if you want to have topics that you think we should talk about in our season finale, please feel free to reach out to us on all our social medias. You can also email us at hushhushsociety at planetmail.com
1: so this episode we're talking about project mk ultra not light not the diet version the full mk ultra full fat the, yeah also called the cia mind control program the operation was officially sanctioned in 1953 it was reduced in scope in 64. it was further curtailed in 1967 and completely put to a halt from what we know in 1973.
0: Yeah, as far as they say it does. As for, yeah, as far as they say it does.
1: Experiments were 99.9 percent done on humans using interrogation methods to weaken the individual and force confessions, essentially through brainwashing and mind control. There's various brutal methods that they would do this, and it happened for throughout the 50s.
0: It was an odd experiment, if you really think about it. They mainly used LSD, lysergic acid. That drug they tried to use as a mind control drug but lsd is inherently a drug that makes you question authority and kind of want to be free and set your mind free at least to me that's kind of counterintuitive
1: they were administering lsd to mental patient prisoners drug addicts people who are not very affluent in normal society but they were doing it unknowingly there wasn't many if at all people that volunteered to take this LSD during this project.
2: Well, yeah, they were targeting people that wouldn't fight back, essentially.
0: For the most part, they were, at least through mental hospitals and such, they were taking on housewives, and patients, and even criminals. It said that Whitey Bulger was also a victim of the MK Ultra
1: project. Which I found fascinating.
2: Yeah, his story was very, very intriguing. So as we said before, some of the subjects were volunteers, many of which being prisoners. One of these prisoners that volunteered was James Whitey Bulger, who agreed to be a subject in the experiments in 1957 in exchange for a, a lighter sentence.
0: He was doing like life sentences, I believe.
2: I believe
1: Something. he did get, he, he was out for a long time and they. I, I'm not sure the actual date that uh, he was arrested. I believe it was in Santa Monica. He was finally fully put in jail. Oh, he died October 30th, 2018.
2: Wow. Yeah, yeah, they, they um, beat him to death in prison with a, uh, a lock and a sock. Uh, Jesus. Very,
1: that's the way to go, huh? That's, 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 that's hardcore, you know? <laughs> For Whitey, Whitey Bulger.
0: <laughs> it's interesting because he wrote like 70 plus letters while he was in prison describing how he was tricked into joining the MK Ultra project and how you know, if he had known what it was, he never would have done it. 70 letters, that's...
1: That's that's, that's pretty wild.
2: He quoted in (laughs) one of these letters that the CIA appealed to our sense of doing something worthwhile for society, essentially... I don't know, I guess trying to make him feel feel bad for himself for
1: the crimes that he's committed. The project was organized through the Office of Scientific Intelligence, which was a part of the CIA and coordinated through the U.S. Army Biological Warfare Laboratories. Most of the experiments were illegal. There was upwards of 150 subprojects, 44 or so institutions and colleges and research foundations and at least 12 hospitals that were a part of this program that were on very high levels that you would know about it's odd how many different locations
0: they had to run this program and i think they said something like uh they spent like
1: 89 million dollars on this project over time I, i think that's the equivalent of our money today i believe i read something similar
0: whatever it equals out to be like in, in today's terms, it's $89 million, which yes. that's a lot of fucking acid.
1: That's, that's, <laughs> that's a lot of, yeah. Oh, that, what is it? Let's see. They spent an estimated of $10 million, roughly 87.5 million adjusted for inflation. Jesus, that's a lot of money. And that is coming from CIA documents that were investigated for chemical, biological, radiological methods of mind control. As part of the mk ultra program
2: they were in the market for all the acids so like <laughs> i i don't see them cutting themselves short on on any of that funding to get it they didn't want the commies to get it that was for sure
1: well you got to remember too this is before lsd hit the public this is well before well yeah they were they were buying it straight out of laboratories right yeah yeah out of uh switzerland yep
0: Well, I mean, you know who else was in Switzerland was Albert Hoffman, who created LSD. He went on his famous bicycle ride after his first dosing.
1: Hey, he was gliding through the Swiss Alps, you know, whatever.
0: There you go. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you, you gotta think, he creates it in Switzerland, and then all of a sudden the swiss market for lsd is exploding because the cia is buying up as much as they possibly can probably big 50 gallon oil drums of it to bring it back to (laughs) put on betty housemaker who comes in for migraines
1: (laughs) what is what is in that what is in that bucket (laughs) that's all it is that's all it is (laughs) It's pretty wild. Don't worry about it. According to the author, Stephen Kinsner, he was saying that this CIA project was a continuation of work that begun in World War II era Japanese and Nazi facility in concentration camps, saying that they used mescaline on unwitting subjects, and these were done in a concentration camp pretty close to Munich. As we all know that the United States did absorb a lot of the Nazi scientists, which did turn into parts of the CIA. So all of this comes full circle when you when you start to think about that project going on almost 20 years before and now that we're doing it to even our own citizens other countries citizens and there was a an instance that happened in 1951 at France and I'm going to say this wrong at Pont Saint-Esprit hey that's pretty good where there was a mass poisoning. It was on August 15th, and more than 250 people were sickened, 50 people were put into asylums, and seven people died. And this was credited to a yeast or some type of bread food borne illness poisoning, very similar to LSD. As Mike said a couple minutes ago, Albert Hoffman, the creator of LSD, originally said that LSD was the cause for this and rebuked his statement a couple weeks later. I'm not sure if it's a couple weeks, a couple days. He rebuked his statement and said, no, this was a foodborne algae or fungus.
0: You got to think that the CIA knows who Albert Hoffman is. That's probably their dealer. And he goes on to say, oh, yeah, this is definitely the work of LSD, especially to the poisoning of this entire town. It's entirely possible that some gentleman in a dark vehicle wearing a dark suit with sunglasses showed up to his house and said, hey, are you sure that town was dosed by LSD? (laughs) While ominously holding up the barrel of his gun.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, if if it was LSD, the whole food poisoning idea would have been a great cover-up because some of the minute side effects of food poisoning can have very hallucinogenic symptoms. Yep. yep. It's
0: entirely possible. I personally could see the CIA easily dosing an entire town. Why not? They got to see what it how it affects a normal population. Yeah, they got the they got the tests going at the insane asylums and at the hospitals and all that other stuff where they're working on patients and people that are already having s- some sort of mental distress. Why not dose the water supply or the yeast supply or the wheat supply of some yeah, small just, town?
1: Just crop dust it all, you know. I mean it's entirely entirely possible i mean it's the first time before the actual mk ultra project was sanctioned that you see something like this before mk ultra i mean this is probably around the time when project bluebird and then artichoke were going around i believe artichoke arose five days after this incident in saint esprit in this town in france project artichoke preceded by project bluebird officially arose on August 20th, 1951. August 15th, 1951 is when this incident happened. Very strange.
0: I don't put it past our own government to go and poison a foreign town. During World War II, we were testing sarin gas on some of our own soldiers. There's accounts of navy officers being pulled into a gas chamber on one of these bases and being dosed with sarin gas just so that they could see what the fatal dose of sarin gas would be to a human
1: being. And that's also, I mean, unwil- unwillingly they did this in the entire program when they were making the atomic bomb. They dropped. Yeah, tr- they did the same thing with the. the they bombs. dropped over You're a thousand right. bombs and just had these guys sitting out there in fatigues, you know, and. Who in the stuff that happened to them so there was a lot of disregard i mean even in just the just the army's standpoint at that time of history where for just human life you can't put it past because this is a proven fact that this program happened there are people that are still alive that are in I'm sure they're 80s, 90s by now that have gone through this program and are still dealing with the after effects from it.
2: Well, yeah, they, they really had everything to gain and nothing to lose by doing these experiments. I mean, especially when it came to the, the sarin gas and the, the atom bomb, the people they were testing this on, they, they were disposable to them. You know, they, they had as many at, you know, their right
1: hand as they needed. And if you don't do so, on to the next one. I, I read in one case, too, that they administered LSD to them mental patient in Kentucky not sure where for 174 days not sure if it was continuous
2: isn't that crazy yeah,
1: that's imagine living like that for over half a year that's that's incredible shocking they're grabbing at people that were weak-minded and when we were talking about the Montauk project they were using folks that were either homeless drifters drifters yeah people that wouldn't be missed yeah yeah along that even, line even teenage boys you know the Montauk <laughs> boys Around 1954, they started this operation in San Francisco, which is called—is this crazy? Which is called Operation Midnight Climax. It sounds exactly what it's—you're gonna—you're gonna think it is.
0: Sounds like my Friday night, but <laughs> yeah,
1: they set up a bunch of brothels within weird covert agency safe houses in San Francisco, and they would get heroin addicts, homeless, and all these people, and bribe them into taking LSD to get more heroin. And they used hookers to do this. And they were using two-way mirrors to watch the effects of LSD while people were having sex, essentially. And it's just (laughs) crazy. That's one of the craziest parts about this whole thing is that between using drugs and electroshock therapy, which we'll get into in a little bit, there was so much between physical, emotional, mental. There was so much sexual abuse that happened in this mk ultra program as well and it probably a lot of it happened in some of those closed door facilities out of (laughs) 44 different colleges and 12 hospitals i mean like the stuff that can happen just in a prison behind closed doors
0: oh yeah i mean realistically if you look at the 50s 60s and 70s there was so much abuse throughout just the prison system alone Never mind the fact that you have mental facilities, you have hospitals where developmentally disabled people were were pretty much imprisoned in and tortured. They had so many different operations going and they had so many different locations. Operation Midnight Climax, a perfect addition to it. You're taking hookers, like you said, you're taking ladies of the evening, the oldest profession, and you're saying, hey, we know you're hooked on these drugs, but... Let's go and make sure that you're hooking and getting these blue-collar gentlemen into this room. And then we want you to dose them. And we want to see what kind of information you can get out of them. Sidney Gottlieb pretty much started this whole thing and he put his trust into this boston massachusetts fbi agent and also a cia operative george hunter white and he was kind of the leader the main operator of this midnight climax experiment it was even said in one statement he would sit on a portable toilet behind the two-way mirror so that he wouldn't miss a single thing that happened during a session
2: that's sadistic sipping on martinis behind the one-way mirror
1: I'm a gin guy myself, so, you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And he was from Boston,
0: so he was probably wearing some... This is, what, Boston in the 50s and 60s? He was definitely wearing some sort of white wife beater. He was probably sweating in there, drinking whiskey all day. No, that's incredibly... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Filthy.
1: (laughs) Filthy? (laughs) There's just so much morally and legally wrong. When we just talked about LSD, I mean, they used a plethora of other chemicals. And I mean, some of them were paralyzing agents. Some of them are just straight up dangerous. They would use electroshock therapy on people. And you're not talking normal electroshock therapy, What? I guess, is deemed normal, which is like a couple times here and there. Do they still use electroshock therapy on people? They, they... I would hope not. I don't, I I don't not. think yeah. so. I think it's, um, I
0: think it's a, a procedure that they no longer use. Uh,
1: Yeah, I, I would hope. I mean, it's essentially torture. Uh, yeah, let's see. It, it's still used. Really ECT e- 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 is used with informed consent in treatment resistant major depressive disorders. So I guess you have to go through every aspect through medication and any type of hospital. I mean, you have to go through prolonged and severe mania to get even close to using electroshock therapy now. I guess what I'm reading right now, you have to have depressive delusions or hallucinations and life-threatening physical exhaustion associated with mania consistently. So what they were doing for electroshock therapy, I'm not sure what they do now. I'm sure it's very low at very small rates, but they were doing two to three times a day at 40 to 50 second intervals. High shocks. And that's, uh, I mean, they were essentially wiping people's minds clean that was the that was the whole purpose was factory reset real quick yeah the the whole purpose of this program was to create programmed spies and soldiers because of the heightened defense that everybody was on in the cold war and yeah they were also using hypnosis sensory deprivation i mean imagine not sleeping for 20 days and imagine being put in a coma without your consent for 20 days and then they were doing this stuff called uh was it drive it was called psychic driving psychic driving. And this was mostly, a lot of it was done in Canada by an American on Canadian citizens unwillingly, which is insane. But psychic driving is when they will play a repeated thing like something as simple as you're not doing well enough in life a quarter million times for 20 something hours under your pillow while they keep you sedated in there so you can't move. It's just incredible that they were able to do this under a budget that, didn't exist.
0: That's kind of the wild part is that they were doing these very odd things that was straight up torture to try and create essentially a Manchurian candidate. They wanted someone that they could say a certain phrase to or hurt, hear a certain sound, and that would snap them right in to do a predetermined thing, whether it was assassination or some sort of covert op or some sort of information gathering, whatever it may be. The psychic driving where you're playing these sounds back for hours, hours. I mean, they're talking like 16 hours hours a day you're hearing the these repeated phrases or repeated sounds and they're feeding them through these essentially helmets with speakers on the inside of them that are strapped to their heads basically
1: underneath a pillow yeah it's yeah it,
0: they can't even escape the sound even which I'm sure they wanted to they, they couldn't even get away from it, you know and no. then drugging them essentially and putting them to sleep for 20 days I mean there was an account of this man named Robert Logan. And Robert Logan was one of the people that was affected in the Montreal testings by Ewan Cameron.
1: Ewan Cameron.
0: Um, Ewan Cameron up at the Allen Institute in Canada. And he said that he was de-patterned by being put to sleep for 23 days. He was given LSD. He was given shock therapy and brainwashed. He says still to this day, he can't sleep without medication and and still thinks
1: about it every waking moment. I I believe that this was one of the Canadians that I watched some documentary. um, It was from the early 80s. Uh, this is one of the one of nine Canadians that was suing the United States government in the early 80s because of being under Donald Ewan Cameron, Donald Ewan Cameron, who to a lot of these patients was renowned as a very scary individual, but they adored him at the same time, which probably coincides with the brainwashing torture that these people were subjected to this guy was part of the canadian psychiatric association part of the american psychopathological association i mean this guy's credentials was was global and he sounds like a juggalo (laughs) <laughs> woo, woo. Uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> this guy's credentials was world renowned People knew about this guy And he uh, went into Canada And worked at this hospital It's known as Raven Crag in Montreal And I believe this guy you're talking about Was a part of this hospital Because I remember hearing about it That some guy being put under for 23 days and Pretty wild Could be somebody different
0: No, no, it's the same guy
1: It's the same guy, okay
0: Yeah, under um,
1: under Cameron, yep Yeah. And there's quite a quite a I mean, obviously, who knows how many people, but some of his colleagues were saying this guy was not the nicest guy. Power hungry, sadistic. And in the late 30s, he moved to New York, upstate New York, and he was a professor of neurology and psychiatry at Albany Medical College, just makes it, I mean, it just makes it even more crazy that this guy is a world renowned person and eventually ended up at this Ravencrag at McGill University in Montreal, which a lot of these experiments and some of the most brutal ones, especially with the electroshock therapy, took place for quite a bit.
0: See, it's odd to me that Cameron would be involved in something like this where he would be Torturing people because he was present at the Nuremberg trials following World War II, yes. and he was testifying against the atrocities of of German soldiers and scientists. Yes, so it's so it's like. How do you go into a courtroom, into a into a high court, and you start pointing fingers at German scientists and saying, Hey, this is against humanity, you're you're a terrible person and then turn around years later and you're doing maybe not the exact same thing, but you're definitely torturing humans, you're definitely destroying people's minds.
2: How? Well, he, he was playing both sides of the card. He was yeah. he was kind of like the perfect guy for all of these sadistic jobs. I don't know if he developed these personality traits uh, that you're talking about, Dave, like prior or after the experiments that he was conducting. But with his credentials and his field and that sort of s- sadistic personality, I'm sure he was able to sleep at night. Yeah, it, I mean. It didn't do him any harm.
1: Yeah. Oh, he didn't and- lose sleep. Exactly. No, no I, I, I I highly doubt that man lost sleep for all the things that he did. Yeah, it was perfect guy for the job. He passed away in 1967, so he didn't last too much longer after all this uh, this stuff. And by the way, this all this stuff that happened at McGill's Allen Memorial Institute at the the Raven Crag, this was the MK Ultra subproject 68 of 149 subprojects. If they're in Canada. That's insane. Just think about what happened in this French town a couple years before. I mean, France is not far from Switzerland. I mean, Europe is a very small place in the grand scheme of things. It's like going from state to state. So it's just pretty wild.
2: Hello and welcome to The Most Best Podcast, the comedy quiz show where each week a fantastic guest will play through a series of hilarious games and challenges to see if they have what it takes to become my co-host with the mo host. So be a bestie and join us wherever you get your podcast. The Most Best Podcast.
0: Looking for a new podcast? Check out the Infectious Groove Podcast. My name is Russ and I host the show along with Michelle and Kyle. Every Monday, the three of us bring you music news and tell you our jammy jams, so you'll always have new music to check out. The Infectious Groove podcast discusses music from nearly every decade and genre while openly displaying our passion for music you need to hear. On top of that, we have a thought-provoking main topic of discussion every week to get you thinking, discussing, and sharing music. We also include interviews with the music stars of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. Subscribe and listen to the Infectious Groove podcast on your favorite podcast platform today.
2: Another thing with Operation Midnight was the filming of these experiments to be used as blackmail. Like we said before, the CIA was paying prostitutes to lure these blue-collar gentlemen into these rooms with the one-way mirrors where um, operatives would sit behind and watch the experiments. The hookers would feed LSD and sometimes other drugs to these men, and the operatives would film them, later using this film against them to keep them quiet, blackmailing them. See, in, in the 50s, getting caught with a hooker wasn't like how it is in modern day. In the 50s, if you, if you got caught with a hooker, you're, you're going to lose your job. You're losing your family. In modern society, if you get caught sleeping with a hooker, your, your boss might have a laugh with you. You might, you might get into an argument with your wife or some shit. It was definitely a solid form of blackmail that they were getting at.
0: Yeah, they were giving them the drugs, but an added bonus to it was they wanted to see what kind of information the hookers could get off of these Johns and use against them. It was essentially blackmailing, but also kind of testing and experimenting to see how vulnerable these guys would be under the effects of LSD.
2: I know what you mean, yeah. So, like, going more towards... the goal of potential Russian spies getting what kind of secrets they could have hidden.
0: It pretty much all boils down to spies and information and the Cold War and communism. I mean... If you look at if you look at the bulk of American history, especially the bulk of the CIA's history, the FBI's history, it's the fight against communism. It's the fight against this country has more information than we have and we need that information and we need to be more prepared than they are in case we need to drop a bomb and they need to drop a bomb. (laughs) So it's. It was all just a big spy game to try and figure out who was going to strike first and how could we defeat them. And we were willing to go to any length, to extraordinary lengths, to get that information and to
1: come out on top.
2: Well, this was definitely an extraordinary length, I'd say, for sure.
1: It goes into when we took all those Nazi scientists at the end of World War II. I mean, look at rocket technology, not even related to the subject. Werner von Braun is the Nazi. I mean, and they, we, we took him, put him into that space program, and boom, that's how fast that happens. And I mean, he created the V2 rocket so like i said before that author steven kinzer look at some of his stuff some of his stuff it's all about this he's saying that the cia is the continuation of nazi agenda because they recruited torturers and people that would do experimentation on thousands of people they brought them all to fort detrick in maryland to instruct cia officers how to use sarin gas because obviously that was their a main form of unfortunate execution in world war ii it's, it's crazy to think that we won a war but then we just took everybody but these people they pardoned them and let them took their p- pick their brain but pardoned them of war crimes and i feel because of that action that happened after world war ii is a direct result of why this program Started. It's sadistic and malicious on the scale of what the Germans were doing. Who knows how long? I mean, the Germans were doing stuff like this. World War One happened. The the nineteen
0: Yeah, but I think the no. Germans. So as far as the evil, quote-unquote, that they put out into the world, I think that was definitely more highlighted during World War II. In World War One, we're still looking at the Germans and calling them Huns, you know? It's just like... Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, 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 so. you're, regardless of what happened after World War Two with this program, and the essential main thing of this was to defect soviet spies against their will so they could use these soviets as their own cia operatives and throw them back into russia
2: yeah it was a huge opportunity for the u.s to get ahead and get the upper
1: hand which one thing if you're gonna do that you know do your thing but it's shitty oh well yeah absolutely if you're gonna do it to your own people i mean and that's what this whole thing is about this is a crime against humanity by our own government and i believe it was 1995 Bill Clinton on national television apologized for the MK Ultra program. Really? It was either 1995 or 1997. It was around those two years. I believe it was 95.
0: Why, why would and Bill Gates apologize for
1: MKUltra? I mean, Bill he's, Clinton. Bill Clinton. Oh, Bill Clinton. The oh, I thought you the, said he's the Gates. current. He, he basically said in his speech that- <laughs> I was like,
0: you should be apologizing for Windows.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Windows 10, bro. Come on. Sorry um, about that. Like, yeah, sorry about Windows 8.
0: You should uh, apologize for stealing children and trying
1: to force vaccines on oh, us. Anyways. At, we, Mike, Mike like man of mystery over here we will get there you know <laughs> but why why was clinton apologizing for it like it wasn't his fault from what i got from the speech is that he was saying this is a new generation of leadership this is a new generation and because of the previous generation and the things that they did we apologize <laughs> so I don't, I don't i don't yeah, think you're gonna buy yeah. back
2: the trust of the population with a
1: sorry statement
2: over o- that over sounds TV. like some
1: cuck shit yeah then 9-11 happened so we got a lot of other cans of worms to fucking open up on that <laughs> yeah. obama came on tv and he was like yeah sorry about bush by the way There's a really interesting part of this whole MKUltra program that I found the easiest to find because there's a ton of information on it. There's a Netflix special on it. It's called Wormwood, and it's about this army scientist named Frank Olson. He worked for the United States Army Biological Warfare Lab, which is at this camp, I believe in Dietrich now Fort Detrick in Maryland. Very smart guy. But this this Wormwood documentary is has actual full acting in it. And some of it is just interviews, but mainly follows this guy's son, Eric, who was, I think, of probably a very small child when this happened, where in 1953, he was a part of this MK Ultra program and he was unwillingly given LSD in New York City. I think it was nine days later or so. He jumped, quote, out of a 13-story window to his death. And this whole documentary, it's fascinating the lengths that this son goes through his whole life. I mean, it's been 70, what, years? And he's spent his entire life to figure out if this was a suicide or if this he was actually indeed murdered by the CIA. It's called
0: Assisted Falling.
1: Assisted Falling. They would call it in the, the, quote, assassination manuals, which are declassified. You can look those up they call it the dro- dropping <laughs> yeah dropping not falling not jumping drop yeah, cuz they're already so, dead by that point <laughs> <laughs> Bonk and yeah, bonk and throw. There's this whole biopic thing that they have on Netflix. it's it's awesome. I watched I watched all of it. It really just follows a few people, a couple doctors that were a part big players in this, but it really centers off this Frank Olsen guy. And he was apparently already depressed and really irritated in the fact that during the Korean War, supposedly the United States used biological warfare on the Koreans, things from malaria to you name it and them covering that up and saying no we didn't do that which is a perfect scenario for right now during our COVID 19. <laughs> you know out, outbreak. yeah
0: your government you know, would it's, never it's pretty... intentionally harm you
1: yeah yeah it's pretty untraceable it's not like you're dropping a bomb if you drop a bomb of mosquitoes it's uh it wasn't us <laughs> no nope. you know if you you cropped us a bunch of lsd over a french town no nope, it wasn't us Especially in the fifties. I mean who's nobody's got cell phone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Nobody's taking video of that. So Except for the time travelers. Oh god. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait to get into that. So this guy basically he was doubting the morality of this project and he has to resign. Yeah, he was like all distraught. Right? Yeah. And yeah, they, they use the word depressed and stuff like that. And he commits suicide, they say. So this documentary, this this son ultimately in the early two thousands exhumes his dad's body after Thirty-something years in the ground, and or fifty, almost fifty years in the ground, and they do a re-autopsy on it, and they find that he has blunt force trauma over one of his eyes, mm. and that can't happen from hitting a pane glass window, especially since his son has spent a night in the hotel that he supposedly jumped from. Wild stuff.
0: Yeah, that's pretty insane. Yeah.
2: Well, they, they essentially lured the man to New York. They were like, "Come yeah. on, buddy. We're, I mean, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna bring you to see this therapist." and we're gonna get you the help that you need, and they just went to town, dude. They went to town. Yep.
1: From my assumption, from it, the CIA. I mean, this goes into. We are well within the timeline of getting into JFK, which is it's coming, folks. Mm. In 1973, Watergate happened, and CIA Re- Director Richard Helms ordered all the MK Ultra files destroyed, which fishy. You know? Yeah, of course. Um, so it's, it's called a fire sale. Yeah. So about 20,000 documents survived and in 1977, the Freedom of Information Act request uncovered those 20,000 documents, which is like a, a pin drop in probably what there was relating Project MK Ultra, which started to lead to hearings in the Senate and most of the surviving information regarding MK Ultra was declassified in 2001. So you can look all this stuff up. I think in 2018, there was a bunch of other stuff that got declassified on it. Didn't, didn't that stuff with the dog
2: come out in 2018? Yeah,
1: yeah, like, yeah. Where yeah. they had uncovered brain implants of the dog. They were pretty much remote controlling dogs. Yeah, yeah. To, it was some, uh, some able to move in specific. Oh, Jesus. Some, some wild stuff. So back, back up a couple years from 77, this whole thing was brought to the public attention by the church committee in the United States, which I believe Gerald Ford was the president at the time. And he put a president's commission on CIA activities, and it was also known as the Rockefeller Commission.
0: They run the world. So,
1: so that pretty much was the end of the MK Ultra program, as we know it. I mean, allegedly. Allegedly, I mean, think about all the media, man. You know, like, I, j- I just
0: gotta, I gotta step back for a second. It's funny because the twenty thousand or so documents that they forgot to burn pretty much were financial documents that's what got them in yeah. the end is that you didn't burn your receipts everybody had to account well over here you went and you spent this much on lsd over here you went and paid this operative how how you burn everything else and you forget the fucking receipts that's that's
1: the wildest part it's like oh wait well oh crap <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh shit we forgot about the sarin gas receipt yeah. oh, like
2: oh, no like like, like <laughs>
1: Classic. Like, Classic. Yeah, oh god, those guys in Munich are gonna be pissed. Like like <laughs>
0: why you know? why am I seeing drug receipts for LSD to a
1: guy named Rufus? <laughs> these these guys are sit yeah, these guys are sitting over here after this happened and they're like, nine, 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 nine. <laughs> oh <Holy> shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was a little reference. What is that, Glorious Bastards? Yeah, like- Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But it's it's so funny like I, you obviously don't have wives like if you that's that's like guy code number 1 you go out and you buy something that your wife or girlfriend doesn't want you to buy the first thing that you're doing is getting rid of that receipt make they all had make families make it disappear yeah, you can't you can't prove that it exists if, if you never bought
1: it. Yeah, but yeah, but you know what? The CVS receipt will always be there because it's nineteen feet long. So you
2: know You know, I'm not gonna lie, I figured out a couple of my Christmas presents when I was a kid through receipts. <laughs> I didn't look for the <laughs> I gifts, looked for I, looked the, I looked for the receipts.
1: And you know what? I'm sure I'm go. sure that's how Gerald Smart. Ford felt when they were digging through this cache of twenty thousand documents that were all C V S receipts for sarin gas and lsd <laughs> and uh other insane pharmaceuticals and 38 million gallons. pack of plastic cups 38 million <laughs> gallons of grain alcohol and oh we let's <laughs> let's just so get and, and oh do you guys have psilocybin <laughs> fuck it let's do it man they do all this stuff and all of a sudden they're like well let's delete all the experiments even though during all these trials these people are still most of these people are still alive and have insane psychiatric problems because of it if not physiological problems for oops <laughs> like, like <laughs> yeah that's a big fucking oops the craziest part about this wormwood thing is is that what the sun deducts out of this whole thing is that they have a huge cover-up story but after 50, 60, 70 years, if you're still alive, your brain is old and you forget the actual cover story you were supposed to forget. So you That start- was <laughs> interesting, right? That yeah. dude slipped right Yeah. Up. I forget the dude's name, but he slipped right So up. you just start spewing information. Guess what?
2: You just got played at your own game. You About know? that Frank Olson case, right? What do you think about his his sisters and her, his sisters' husbands and their child's death? The do you plane think crash that was fabricated. Yeah. Do you, Do you think that was intentional or just a
1: coincidence? I mean, entirely possible, man.
2: The whole family got paid off, right? It was set at like what, one point two? And they, million got, they and they got they, 750K. they got seven fifty. Yeah. So th- they split it up. His sister, Frank Olson's daughter, decides to go and invest in some lumber mill. Yeah, and I believe it was they, her husband. They, yeah. Yeah. They get on that little plane and fly to where? New York or something? I think it was Alaska. Somewhere. Somewhere, somewhere remote. It. I mean, yeah, there's the chance that maybe the plane just went down. But if if the CIA was going to go out of their way to kill this man's daughter. do the whole family. Man.
1: Exactly. Especially since the sun is trying to expose on Netflix now. I don't know, man. It, it was just a head-scratching coincidence, I yeah. guess. Yeah. It's almost like the whole Kennedy family. I mean, it's a head-scratching coincidence, <laughs> man. Like, it's... Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Those of them that still have a head. <laughs>
1: oh, <laughs> fuck. Uh, ah, I am all, so sorry. All in all, this <laughs> this project was insane. I mean, <laughs> it's it was... I just wanted to
0: bring up the, you know, we were talking about the Senate trials, and there was this guy named Stanson field Turner, he was an admiral in the United States, and he was giving a testimony before Congress on MKUltra, and from his own reading, he said the recovered documents fall roughly into three categories. First, there are 149 MKUltra sub-projects, many of which appear to have some connection with research into behavioral modification, drug acquisition, and testing or administering drugs surreptitiously. Second, there are two boxes of miscellaneous MK Ultra papers, including audit reports and financial statements from quote unquote cut out funding mechanisms used to conceal CIA's sponsorship of various research projects. Finally, there are 33 additional sub-projects concerning certain intelligence activities previously funded under MKUltra which have nothing to do either with behavioral modification, drugs and toxins, and or related matters. It says we have attempted to group the activities covered by the 149 sub-projects into categories under descriptive headings. In broad outline, at least, the this represents the contents of these files. The activities are placed in the following 15 categories. I'm not going to read all 15, but it says it says uh, there were 17 pro- subprojects, probably not involving human testing. 14 subprojects, definitely involving tests on human volunteers. This last one, it, the last one that I'm going to read is it was the most interesting. Is seven? There's 19 subprojects, probably including tests on human volunteers. While not known, some of these subprojects may have included tests on unwitting subjects as well. <laughs> and then there were six sub involving tests on unwitting subjects.
1: It's astounding once you go through the, the later parts of that. And it's funny too, because this guy was appointed the head of the CIA in 1977 by Jimmy Carter. So it was right when this whole thing just took the ax completely. And they, they just picked themselves apart because let's face it, this is a black project of the CIA that infiltrated many parts of the world and unfortunately a lot of people. I, not to be the conspiracy theorist, but I personally think that they're still doing things with this all through the media. And we can totally have an episode on stuff like that or continuation of it.
0: Oh, we'll get into what the CIA does involving your television and film media.
2: Some scary shit, dude.
0: I personally think that MKUltra is still going on. I think it's more in the way of not drugging people, but there is suggestive programming. There is, not to dive too deep into it, but there is stuff in your television. There is stuff in your movies. There are things that are put out to you through ad space through magazines that you read books that you read
1: it's everywhere it's all subliminal yes it's in music yeah. media movies i mean it's anything that can influence you you gotta look past a little bit of things to really see it but le- let's face it if you're into seeing all this stuff I and mean, rage against the machine saw this shit what 30 years ago <laughs> <Let's>... <laughs> when you when you really look at the mainstream not to touch on it deep but when you really look at just mainstream music and we are going to go into this on we have a an Epstein special mm. that is going to be coming up later this season and we will definitely touch on all this stuff with that but if you're into mainstream music top 40 and all that stuff and you really want to look at some of the subliminal messages that are in it and then you want to look at the exact opposite side of it. What do you, I mean, the alternative music movement that's been going on for a long time. Just look at some of the bands that are fighting it and why. Yeah. It's just just food for thought and lots of fun to, to get into. Hell
0: yeah. It's two opposite ends of the spectrum.
1: Yeah, I think that's it for this episode, right? There's plenty more to talk about. You could probably do another spe- another episode on this. But I mean, look for yourself, guys. There's tons i've spent the last almost two weeks delved into mk ultra and this is a good broad spectrum of what it is and i hope enjoyed hearing about some of this stuff and if you're gonna definitely look into it definitely look into it i'd say go for it there, there is an unfathomable
2: amount of information and that kind of dives
0: us into our show topics next episode we will be diving into the JFK assassination and speaking of maybe doing an MK ultra part 2 maybe we'll do a mini episode that we would include for our future patreon subscribers you know maybe that's a little extra mm-hmm. something that we can do
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, we will Eard have scratch Hey, we also will eventually have a hush-hush society Hush society conspiracy hour clothing store or merch store whatever you may call it that's exclusive for all members of the hush hush society that's all we gotta say make sure to check us out on all social medias on facebook twitter and instagram we are also streaming literally everywhere now we are on stitcher and apple and google and iHeartRadio and pandora and your grandmother's talking about us it's Things are amazing.
1: Check out our link tree.
2: Yes, the link tree. Make sure you give it a look. The
0: link tree is an easy way to get to all those accessible places to find Declassified Dave, myself, and Slick Frank Sanders. It would be l i n k t r dot e e forward slash hush hush society.
1: All right, hushlings. Well, that is the end of our second episode about MKUltra join us for our JFK assassination episode, which also includes our friends in the CIA. It'll be mind-blowing, guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've been sitting on that one.
1: <laughs> yes, it, it's going to be a, a, a mind-blowing experience. It's
2: going to be a real blast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Mike. That I don't know, Mike. That might be a long shot. <laughs>
1: Yep. Yep. It's uh, gonna be it's we're gonna we're gonna dive into that magic bullet. <laughs> and we're gonna dive into <laughs> <laughs> Alright everyone. Well I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. I'm Slick Frong Sanders. And that is the end of our installment of the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour.
2: Peace. Thanks guys. Au revoir.
0: Until our next debriefing. Remember the best
1: kept secrets are hidden in plain sight.